Just fight a little longer, my friend. It's all worth it in the end. All right, welcome, guys, to episode eight of On Living, a podcast presented to you by thelivingperson.com. It's Lent, and uh, today's topic is repentance. Um, it is Monday, uh, really late night, 10:19 p.m. Everybody in my house is asleep, and I'm up to record a podcast because I can't get it off of my mind. Um, last Sunday, the last words of the gospel were as follows. It was, repent and believe in the gospel. And I couldn't get my mind off of that word, repent. And it's so hard because I wish you guys were in class with me because I would ask the question out loud to everybody. When you hear the word repent, what do you think of? So yeah, you're not in class with me, but for real, in your car, on your run, on the treadmill, when you hear the word repent, what do you think of? I actually posed the question on our Instagram account and I got a bunch of really cool answers. So here are some of them. I had some pretty typical answers, you know, the good Catholic answers of people saying uh, to turn or to return or confession or to uh, repent for their sins, to turn away from their sins and turn to God, to turn to the gospel. Those are some classic Catholic Lenten answers. At Adrian the Asian says that it's a harsh word to make me rethink what I've been doing. Shout out to Adrian. That's my boy. At Cvenata14 says the first thought is this like old school fire and brimstone preacher yelling repent at the crowd. And yeah, I don't think that she's alone in that. Like that's one of the things that I think about too. To take that thought even further, I know that some of you know what I'm talking about when you go to a sporting event and you see a group of people with signs, or you go to the beach and you see people with signs that say, repent, believe in the gospel, and some of them are really bad. Like, I swear to you, not long ago, I saw somebody standing out there with a sign that said, turn or burn. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, And yeah, yeah, that's out there too at Prayerful Breath Yoga, also talks about that. Quote, the guy on the street corner with a sign and a bullhorn, it's a church word that has lost its meaning. And I kind of agree with that, which is why I want to make this podcast to try to kind of reclaim it. Lastly, the most interesting one, I want to keep the person's identity secret. But anyways, the person said that The word repent just doesn't register with me because it doesn't make sense to me. It's an archaic Old Testament term that I don't understand because I'm not a first century Jew. And then the person put hashtag brutal honesty complete. And she put that because I had asked for people's complete brutal honesty. So props to that person. But anyways, I wanted to focus on this word because I think it's a word that gets a really bad rap, but the history behind it is beautiful. And I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't think there was something really powerful to reclaim and to reincorporate into your everyday life as a Christian Catholic. So let's go. You may or may not know this, but in the Hebrew scriptures, there is this word called teshuva. That's T-E-S-H-U-V-A. H, teshuva, and it means to turn or to return. So all of you guys who commented to return, 
Very good. The idea behind teshuva, though, is more than just a return to the gospel. Because remember, you know, I'm asking you to, you know, like put on your thinking caps here, your critical thinking caps, because the gospel, the gospel of Jesus was technically written 50 to 100 years after Jesus was crucified. So it's important to know the context that Jesus was speaking of. And not only Jesus, but the context that every Jewish rabbi was speaking of. Okay, so I want to do something a little bit different here to get you thinking like a first century Jew. And why should you think like a first century Jew? Because Jesus was a first century Jew. So bear with me. I promise this is good. So part of this concept of teshuva is when you have this waking up moment where you realize that you have wandered off the path. There's both this element of sorrow and joy, like sorrow for screwing up so badly, for, for wandering off the path so far, so badly, for so long. But then this sense of like great joy and gratitude that you've actually woken up with enough time to right the wrong, to correct the path. And yes, this is the idea that we are all familiar with, I think, this this epic return. But the part that I get excited about, the part that you might not be familiar with, is connected to a traditional Jewish morning prayer called the Elohai Neshama. Now, if you're a faithful Jew, don't make fun of me because <laughs> I don't know the pronunciation. I just know how beautiful this prayer is, the Elohai Neshama. Um, It's a prayer professed by faithful Jews, like right in the morning, a traditional morning prayer. So now again, use your thinking caps here. Jesus was not a faithful Catholic. Jesus was a faithful Jew. But anyways, teshuva starts with this idea that our very essence is on the path. We just have strayed away from it. So if you don't mind, let me just recite this prayer. Like, take a breath. I'm actually going to pray it. So take a breath. I'm going to give it a couple seconds, and then I'll begin. The soul which you have created in me, O God, is pure. You created it. You formed it. You breathed it into me. You protect it within me. And you will someday take it from my body and return it to me. In the world to come. As long as my soul is within me, I give thanks to you, Adonai. My God, the God of my ancestors, Master of all creation, Lord of all souls. Praised are you, Adonai, restorer of souls to bodies that have died. Amen. Man. Man, the soul which you have created in me, O God, is pure. And so when people are messaging that repent means to return, they were absolutely right. But when Jesus would have been preaching it in first century Palestine, a faithful Jew would have understood the call of teshuva. Yes, of course, it, is, it was a call to not sin or to stray away from sin. But more beautifully, to return to our God-given goodness. To return to our God-given purity. The soul which you have created in me, O God, is pure. Ah, oh, 
dude, that is so like, oof, like bone chillingly beautiful to me. Um, so yes, this word, <laughs> teshuva, which has so much context, joy and sorrow and joy and guilt and like this moving uh, towards the path, this epic return towards our God-given purity, our God-given goodness, our God-given like uh, image and likeness is translated into the English word repent. <laughs> And there's so much like dirt and cloud, so much like uh, bad history and bad bad vibes surrounding that word, repent. So I had to give my take. The call of repentance is so much more than just a fear tactic, is so much more than just a sign, is so much more than trying to convert people. It's an invitation for the individual to look inward, to acknowledge where they have strayed and wandered off, and then to return to that first line of that morning prayer. The soul which you have created in me, O God, is pure. And to repent, to truly repent, is to return to that fundamental truth that the essence of our being is already on the path. We might have just wandered off. So my brothers and sisters, friends of Jesus, this Lent, may we return. May we teshuva. May we wake up to the ways that we might have wandered or strayed off. And may we journey step by step onto the path of repentance. And I wanted to close it up with a little bonus thought on Christians and their signs. And not only Christians and their signs, but Christians and their bulletins, and Christians and their websites, and Christians and their Facebook pages, and Christians and their Instagram pages, and Jarrell's with their living person pages, and Jarrell's with their videos. <laughs> um, but the thought is is that Jesus didn't have a sign. Jesus didn't have a bulletin, and Jesus didn't have a website, a Facebook, or an Instagram. The new evangelization isn't about technology. It is simply a return to the fundamental practices of Jesus. And that is a huge reminder and a piece of humble pie for me. Because... Man, when I thought about this, I, I remembered a speaker that like shifted my focus here and I like dug it up in one of my journals. And the speaker talked about the patterns of Jesus in the Gospels. And I'm just going to read you some of the, the notes in my, in my journal. It, said, it says, For Jesus, the love came before the healing. For Jesus, the love came before the healing. It's the sequence in the Gospels that makes it so powerful. So, um, in the curing of the leper, Jesus was first moved by compassion, and then second, laid his hands on him, and then third, came the healing. Um, and this idea of the leper being completely disgusted with himself, um, not even wanting to touch him himself, and yet Jesus did. And then Jesus cured. And if we are to dabble in the new evangelization, if we are to share, if we are to labor 
for the kingdom, for this mission of the new evangelization, which is just a reclaiming of the fundamental practices of Jesus, then we are called to that sequence. We are called to be moved by compassion. And after we are moved, we are called to love. And this is where the speaker got me. You would think that the third part is that after we love, we are called to heal. And the speaker is like, no, 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 no. The only thing we can do is part one and part two. Part three is on God. God does the healing. We are called to be moved by compassion. We are called to love others. And if we do our part, God will do his. Man, that is good. Like, (laughs) so often do we want all the answers. And so often do we want things to be clear cut and set in stone. That formula is so hard because it relies on us, trusting on God to take care of the rest. And that, my friends, is faith. Welcome to the club. (laughs) But, man, it's more beautiful that way. It's more mysterious that way. It's more powerful that way. It's more liberating that way. So, I know this was a long one, but I was starting to feel that it was time to create something you know, more valuable, more substance. I had some cheat podcasts in there, and um, I really wanted to provide some some good reflections for you guys that were um, kind of like based on my my master studies and some of the books that I've been reading, and um, some of the things that I've been studying from different theologians here and there and everywhere and incorporating culture. But I love this stuff. I love studying theology. So um, I hope to give you more of it and. Um, that's it. I got to go to bed. I got school tomorrow, and um, I really, really appreciate you listening. So anyways, thank you for listening. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here. Thanks again. Grace and peace.